0: If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and just hold your spot there, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. That was a really, really good time of worship, man, both services today, 9 o'clock and this one as well. So 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we're continuing in the series that we started a few weeks ago. I think this is the fourth message, I think, maybe the fifth uh, in the series called Serve It Up. And so we're looking at the topic of serving in the life specifically of a believer, really for all of us, but the the connotation we're looking at is how that plays out in the life of a believer. And so we've covered a lot of different aspects, a lot of different principles that come out of scripture uh, to help us understand a little bit more about what serving is. And one of the very first things we looked at that we pulled out when it comes to serving is the need for us to have have a culture of serving in our lives and a culture of serving in our church. And here, here's what is often the case, at least for me. Uh, many times, this happens is I serve. If you take me out of the pastor role yet, uh, you know, right now, and and look at me as not a pastor who works in a church, but just you know, everyday brooks. Uh, there are times where I'll serve if the time is right, and if the setting is right, and if it fits my agenda, right? That is totally wrong. What I need more of in my life, probably what you need more of in your life and for us as a church, is for us to have a culture of serving. It's sort of the default mode for us as believers where we just serve. And we talked a few weeks ago at the very beginning of the series of how to develop a culture of serving in our lives and for us as a church as well. Now, one of the things we pulled out of that was that it's easier to develop a culture of serving and to understand understand what serving is when we begin to understand a little bit more who God is, right? That God served us. I mean, he is a, he is a God who loves us. He is a God who served us and ultimately sent Jesus before God so loved the world that he, he gave, right? He, he served us by sending his own son for us to have a relationship with him in the first place. And even when Jesus came, when Jesus walked this earth, he would summarize his ministry. He would say, I didn't come to be served, I have come to serve. And so that's the, that was the tone, that was the tenor of his whole ministry, was to ultimately serve. So when we understand God a little better, we understand what it means to serve. But when we understand the church better, too, I mean, when you think about it, how many hospitals and how many soup kitchens and how many shelters and how many good things in our culture have been put in place because it was implemented by a church? You know, our church through the years, through the centuries, beginning with the book of Acts and all the way up through today, the church itself collectively has done so much collective good by serving. And so we understand what serving looks like when we understand God, when we begin to understand the church a little bit better. But one of the things that we've seen along the way in the series is that not everybody is ready for a relationship with God. Not everybody's ready to just sort of bow their life and to follow the person of Jesus the way that many of you have. A lot of people, I mean, their hearts are hard towards God. A lot of people, they've got this misunderstanding of who God is, and it may have been from a coworker, it may have been from a uh, maybe something they saw on TV. It may have been from, you know, a family member who was just angry and antagonistic from God, and now they've developed this, this same, you know, desire to just keep God at a distance, and their hearts are cold, and their hearts are hard towards God. And what happens is, when you as a follower of Jesus show up in their life, and you begin to serve them, and you begin to put God on display, and you show what God looks like when God is in their world, and, and you help to, to demonstrate the love of Jesus practically in their life, man, their heart begins to soften. And people who are far from God, antagonistic against God, they begin to perk up and they begin to listen and they begin to consider, maybe I need this relationship because of what they see in you. And so serving, I'm telling you, it knocks barriers down like nobody's business to where we have an opportunity to impact people with the gospel. But I'm going to tell you, like we looked at last Sunday, it is not convenient. And if you choose in this series to say, Brooks, all right, man, I get it. I understand a little bit better. I don't want to just live life for me. I want to begin to serve as a follower of Jesus. I want to serve inside the context of the church. I want to serve outside the context of the church. If you decide to do that, I'm just telling you, this is the disclaimer that goes with it. It's not going to be easy, and it's not going to be convenient. It's going to be one of the least convenient things that you do. Now, you you and I can serve sporadically. And when, it's, when it is convenient, but if we're going to live life where we have a culture of serving, it's the default mode of our life, many times it's just not going to be convenient. And so we have to make a decision. Is this what we want for our lives or is it not? For us here at this church, we've summarized what God's called us to do with a, uh, just a, a simple, simple six-word phrase. We look to lead people to love Jesus, to serve others, and to make disciples. To love Jesus with everything we are, to serve other people selflessly, to love our neighbor as ourselves, right? And then to make disciples, to help other people to come to understand what it means to be in relationship with God. And a huge part of that is ultimately serving. So today I want us to look at what are some of the effects. If we choose to answer this call and to serve, what are some of the effects? that come out of that. That's what I want us to focus on. And Paul's going to give us a really good passage of scripture to help us understand that even a little bit better. So there are two types of impact through your life that you have the opportunity to have. I could demonstrate that if I had a hammer and a board today, I could take that hammer and that board and I could smack that board with a hammer, which is often the case whenever I'm trying to build something with a hammer and nails. I usually miss the nail and hit the board. And if I could smack that board with that hammer, what I'm going to find there is a nice imprint that is going to be permanent. If you've ever tried to make your own furniture and you went old school, you didn't use like air-powered tools, but you went hammer and nails and you began to build that, I would be willing to say some of those early pieces of furniture, some of those early wood projects that you've got around the house or in your garage bear the marks of a hammer on wood. right? And That mark is permanent. It is not going to fade. It is not going away. It is permanently marked as an imprint. I could give you a little kiddie pool of water, and I could also give you a pebble, and I could ask you to toss that pebble, right, into that little little kiddie pool of water, and if you did, that pebble would also make an imprint. It would make an imprint in that water far differently than a hammer on wood. This imprint would not be permanent. This imprint would be temporary in nature. And whether it's a pebble into a little kiddie pool, or whether it's a rock into the ocean, It's going to create a little bit of a ripple. There's going to be an imprint there. Those ripples are going to extend and then they're going to fade and everything is going to be back to normal. You can come back in five minutes and you will not see the effects of that impact whatsoever. One is permanent. One is temporary. In our culture... There is a lot of serving taking place, right? There are a variety of examples of serving taking place in our culture. There are opportunities to be able to help people who can't afford houses, to be able to live in houses. There are opportunities to put food in front of people who do not have food. There are services out in our culture that put clothes on people's backs who do not have clothing, that help provide shelter for people who do not have homes. And all of those things, for the most part, are very, very good. They accomplish a lot of good in this world. Sometimes they're community-driven, sometimes they're civic groups, sometimes they're government agencies, and and the good that they do is very, very good. But more often than not, what happens is is that, that those are like pebbles in a in a pool, right, there are ripples that are only temporary. And though they meet a need and though those acts of service do good, what happens is they begin to fade over time and the impact is not lasting. But here's the thing. If we as followers of Jesus, as individuals and as churches, whenever we do the, many of those same things, when we serve, if we also have a way to partner what we do with the message of the gospel, And whenever we serve another person, whether it's our neighbor on the other side of the driveway, or whether it's a person in our kid's school, or someone on our child's soccer team, or whether it's a complete stranger, whether it's here in this church or outside this church, almost fell down, one of you would have had to serve me by picking me back up again, right? Regardless of how we serve, if we partner it with the gospel in the name of Jesus done in the power of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. If we serve that way, listen, that's not ripples that fade. That's lasting impact. In many cases, that kind of serving can ultimately last forever. The impact it has on a person's life can ultimately be of an eternal nature. Paul is speaking about this here in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He's talking about that very concept of serving somebody ultimately in the name of Jesus and the effect that is made as a result of it. So let's jump in. I'm going to pull a couple of principles out of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And the first one we're going to hit right after we read this passage. So let's jump in. We're going to spend a little time in this passage. There's a lot here. And uh, understand a little better what it means to serve and what the effect of that serving is. Let's jump in. 2 Corinthians 3. Join with me here right here in verse 5. It says, Paul writes, and he says, Not that we are adequate in ourselves. To consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God, who also made us adequate as servants of a new covenant, not of a letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Two principles, the first one I want to roll out right here on the heels of that passage, and the first principle is this, that for the christian if you're a follower of Jesus this would be you for the christian everything that you need everything that we need to serve successfully is already in your possession everything that you need as a follower of Jesus to serve successfully now i'm not saying to serve the best that you ever can i'm just saying to serve successfully in a way that god desires everything that you need to do that as a follower of Jesus is already in your possession. You don't have to say, hey, I'm going to wait for a month till I can get a little more equipped. I'm going to wait six months. I'm going to wait a year. No, everything you have already to serve successfully. This is really good news. As a believer, as a follower of Christ, is already ultimately in your, your possession. Now, whenever, whenever believers don't serve, <clears throat> what often happens is we think of some excuses to come with. I've done the same thing, right? I haven't always pastor a church. I've also been a Christian who just sort of came and plugged in. And many times I did serve. Other times, many other times I didn't serve, right? So I've used these same excuses. But a lot of times when a Christian doesn't serve, we'll say things like, well, you know what? I don't have time. I'm kind of busy right now. I'm at a stage of life. I'm at a stage of life where I just can't really serve right now. You know, it just doesn't fit. Other times, the reason we don't serve, sometimes we'll kind of roll out there as an excuse, is that, uh, you know, I just need to, I need to grow a little bit more before I do that. The one we don't ever say, but probably more often than not is, is the case, is, you know what, I really... What if we were just honest? for a moment. What if when somebody said, hey, would you, why don't you consider serving here? What if you said, you know what? I just don't really care enough about that person. <laughs> I'm not going to serve them. I don't love them enough, right? We'd never really want to admit that, but oftentimes, let's be honest, that's, that's the case. We don't serve because we don't care, but many times what happens is the reason that we as followers of Jesus don't serve isn't that we don't care. We do care, and we love Jesus with much of who we are, right? We're growing in that love. I mean, we're, we're growing in our maturity as believers. We do care. We do love God. We do read the Bible. We, we worship him. And we, we look to, 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 to grow in that relationship with him. But the reason sometimes we don't serve is because we don't feel adequate, right? We don't feel like we have what it takes. And, and, and we begin to look at people that are a little further along than we are, and we think, you know what? If I just had her gifts, if I just had his talents, then I would really be able to serve. But I don't have that gift and I don't have that talent and I don't have that testimony and I don't have that skill set. And so I'm really not the right person to serve. I'm not equipped, I'm not adequate. And what happens is in this sea of opportunities to serve people and to make a difference inside the church and outside the church, what happens is we just sort of start backing out of the circle. And we begin to shy away and back out of the opportunities that God has already opened the door for us because we don't feel like we're adequate. We don't feel like we're equipped to be able to serve in the way God really wants us to. Man, Paul just blows the doors off of that mindset in verse five. Look at what he says again in verse five. He says, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. Now, who is saying this? This is Paul, for goodness sakes. This is the greatest missionary that ever lived. If there was a book written, And it was titled "The Greatest Missionaries of the Gospel in History," right? And you open it up, and the first page is going to be Paul, right? This is going to be his picture. In fact, he probably wrote the thing. I mean, he—he's like the pinnacle. He's the top of the heap when it comes to missionaries that ever walked this earth. And here's what Paul is saying: This is a man who was—he was trained by by a fellow named Gamaliel, one of the leading rabbis of his day. He was raised as a Jew, born and raised as a Jew. He, uh, he was a Pharisee. He was a leader amongst the Jewish people. He was rising up the ranks of leadership, so to speak. This was Paul. He had the glowing resume of anyone that you could imagine, right? This is who he was. And here he is writing this letter to the Corinthian believers in chapter 3, verse 5 of 2 Corinthians. And he says, not that we are adequate in ourselves, but our adequacy Is from God. (laughs) He says, it's not about my resume. It's not about my life experiences. Those things are important. We'll get to that in a second. But man, the whole reason that I'm adequate to serve in the first place. Is because God has already equipped me. God has already given me what I need to be able to serve in a way that's not ripples in a pool, but it's like a, it's like a mark on a piece of wood. He's equipped me to serve in a way that is enduring and that is lasting and that is permanent, and in some cases even that is eternal. Man, I don't know about you. But I don't care if I'm a pastor or not a pastor. I don't want to go through my life and then get to heaven and look back and say, man, I just missed a real opportunity to use my life to make a difference. I don't want to be that person. And I have a feeling, hopefully for you, you don't want to be that person either. You want to make a difference. And I'm just telling you that what we do in the name of Christ for the sake of the gospel has the potential to change a person's forever. And it doesn't matter whether it's working with someone who is so young that they're confined to a crib because they're an infant and we're serving their needs, or if it's someone who is the oldest person that we know or anywhere in between, if we serve where God has put us with the giftings he's given us in the name of Jesus, pairing that with the gospel man oh man that lasts forever that makes a mark like we can't imagine and it's not because of who we are it's because of who God has already made us our adequacy is not from ourselves it's from God look back to chapter 2 for just a second in 2 Corinthians just go back one page to chapter 2 Paul here is using kind of a word picture that is uh, man, it's one of his best I think to describe what it means to serve. He says in chapter 2, verse 14, or verse 15, I'm sorry, he says, for we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. We are a fragrance of Christ to God. In, in other words, Paul's saying you might not be able to see God. He's using a word picture here, okay? He's not being literal. He's saying, you can't see God, but you know what? What we've done amongst you has enabled you to smell him. Does it make sense? It's a word picture. Don't take it literally. You can't see God, he says to these Corinthian believers. You haven't seen him with your eyes, but you know what? He has been here. You have have been so close as to smell him. We have been the fragrance of him before you. What does that mean? You ever had a person in your life when you've been so low, or you've been so struggling, or you've been in a place maybe of such temptation you need to make that call and say, brother man, you need to pray for me, or you've made that phone call because you've just been so close to throwing in the towel. Maybe it's been in your marriage, maybe it's been in your walk with Jesus, maybe it's been as it relates to some some standard you've got in your life, and you just need somebody to help you. Maybe you've been so down, so discouraged, you've failed, you've blown it, you're you're having a hard time forgiving yourself, or maybe for you, you've come to a place to where you're you're just struggling with an addiction or depression, to something where you are just in the valley. I mean, you are just in the valley, and, and somebody comes alongside of you. And they make that phone call or they, they, they come alongside of you physically and they put that arm around you and they help you and they sort of get you up back on your feet again and they encourage you. You ever had somebody do that for you? When they've done that, they've been like a fragrance of God, the fragrance of Christ. You, you haven't seen God, but man, you, it's like you've smelled, you've smelled the beauty of who he is because that person put him on display in your life. And Paul says that's who we were to you. That's who we were to you when we served you. Verse 16, he says, to the one, right, we were a fragrance of the saved from death to death, to the other an aroma from life to life. Here's what he he says at the end of verse 16, and who is adequate for these things? Paul says, who's adequate for this? Who? who?" He says, we've been like a fragrance of Jesus to you, but who's adequate? I mean, don't, don't pat me on the back, Paul says. I'm not up to this right? I don't have what it takes to serve you in and of myself. Yeah, I've got the resume, but I don't have what it takes to serve you. Man, who's adequate for this? He says the only reason we've been able to be a fragrance of Christ to you and to have a difference in your life and to make an impact that's going to last is because God has made us adequate. He's filled us and he's used us in your life. That's what Paul is getting at. And the cool thing is you and I have the opportunity to be that same person to somebody else, both in the context of this church and even outside the context of this church. You've got personalities, you've got skills, you've got uh, life experiences. We've got folks in our church that have been through things in their life that they're now leveraging it and using it in the context of ministry. You've got personality gifts, you've got talents, you've got a skill set, you've got life experiences, and no, those things don't make you adequate. God leverages them, but what makes you adequate to serve another person is Christ in you, <laughs> You know, I look at this church. I've um, I've had the the blessing, man, of being able to serve as pastor here for I guess I can say a long time now. Been here for for quite a while, and I, I promise you, you can find people who are going to be more knowledgeable of Scripture than I am. You could find another pastor somewhere who has more giftings in the area. Of administration or leadership, or they have more compassion, or they tell funnier jokes, or they're able to be better with people. I mean, you can find people, I promise you, who can fill all those roles far better than I can. But if I were to ask the question so, who's the best person to serve as pastor of First Baptist Church of the Islands, at least in this season of life, you know what my answer is going to be? Me. You just kind of stuck with me. And that's not because of anything that I bring to the table. I've already established that. You can find far better people, right? Who can pastor in far better fashion than me, than the one that you've had for all these years. That is, not, I readily admit to that. But the reason that I'm the, the the person, the best person to fill this role of leadership now, is not because of me or anything I bring to the table. It's because God has said this is the guy that I want to serve at least in this stage of life, right? And He could call me home in these next 7 days before next Sunday he could call me out to another field of service somewhere else right that god calls those shots for every single one of us but at least for now i'm the best pastor for this church now if you take that snippet out of context right on the audio or the video of this i look really really bad you know but you understand the context it's not because of me it's because of where god has planted me how he has equipped me and it's up to me to fall in line with his lead And to let him use me. And the reason I use that as an example is because the same thing applies to you. The same exact thing applies to you. We filled a lot of areas of ministry, of of vocational areas of ministry here in this church in the years that I've been here. We've hired a lot of people as staff members and as pastors in this church through the years. Been here 19 years. We've hired a number of different people. And we get a lot of resumes usually when we open a position. You know what happens? You'll have resumes that sometimes will be a full page or two of their experiences and their leadership and their accomplishments and where they've been and what they've done. And many, many times what happens is they don't even make it to the second round of the search because they're not the one. And for you, I'm telling you, you've got every reason to say I'm not adequate to serve in this particular area. I'm not adequate to serve my neighbor. I'm not adequate to serve in the name of Jesus because I don't have this and I don't have that and I haven't been through this experience and I don't have enough knowledge yet and I haven't yada, 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 right? We can find all the reasons why we're not adequate to serve. But what God's word says is that our adequacy is not from us to begin with, it's from him. And if you have a relationship with Jesus, if you've given your life to Christ already, (laughs) Let's just sort of jerk the cover off the present here. I mean, reveal you're already adequate because of Christ in you to serve in those areas that He's already opened the door for you to serve. So what are we adequate for? Look at verse 6. This is a cool set of verses, these two verses. So what are we adequate for? Paul says, "...who also made us adequate..." As servants, there's that word, the context of this is our serving. He's made us adequate as servants of a new covenant. So, so what is the new covenant? It, the, the new covenant is the promise that God will forgive us of our sins and accept us into a relationship based on our repentance. We put away our sin and we place our faith in Jesus. That's the new covenant. It's not the old covenant, it's not the old law that was based in the Old Testament where a person was right with God based on their Jewish heritage, based on their adherence to the law, based on the sacrificial system. They would offer sacrifices to cover their sins, remember that? If you ever get bored, read through the book of Leviticus, that'll help to perk you up, <laughs> maybe. Sorry, the sacrificial system, that was the, old ta- that was the law. What the law did was it showed us that we weren't perfect, Right? Anytime you see a law in place, what it often does really well is teach you that you can't meet it all the time. That's what the law did. What Paul's talking about here is a new covenant. This new covenant centered on the person of Jesus that says that we are made right with God and forgiven of our sin when we come to God through Christ, through putting away our sin and placing our faith in Jesus. You don't have to turn here, but back in Luke chapter 22, verse 20, I think we've got it on the uh, on the screen behind me. You're familiar with this. If you've ever celebrated the Lord's Supper in a church setting, Jesus here speaking, it says, in the same way Jesus took the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant. There it is. This new covenant, what? In my blood. The new covenant is basically, it is centered on Jesus's sacrifice. This new covenant is communicated by the gospel. So when Paul says that we are ultimately servants of the new covenant that means we are servants of the message of the gospel paul says in romans chapter 8 speaking of the old covenant versus the new covenant romans chapter 8 verse 3 and verse 4 he says what the law could not do weak as it was through the flesh right Uh, the law could not save us from ourselves from our sin he says what the law couldn't do god did Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law, right, God requires perfection for us to get to heaven. If you're wondering, like, how much good do I have to do to be able to get to heaven? Uh, The answer is really simple. There's not enough good you can do to get to heaven. Because the requirement, and it kind of says this here in Romans chapter 8, verse 4, the requirement is perfection, it's living up to God's standard perfectly he says that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit listen one day you're going to die and you're going to stand before God and I'm going to as well and I don't know how that conversation is going to play out word for word but it could be something like this where God he can look at you and say listen the standard for you to be able to come in is perfection and he, and he could look, look at your life, right, and, and say, you know what, I know you're here before me probably sooner than you expected. <laughs> it's probably the case for most everybody, right? <clears throat> but I see a lot of stain in that life. I see a lot of sin in that life. He could say that for me. He could say it for you. But you know what? What God could also say for certain people is that, in a way that only God could fully understand, but it, But I choose not to see the stain because the stain has been removed and overpowered by the presence of my son in your life. And your righteousness given to you by Jesus through your faith in him has made you clean. Welcome home. See, adhering to the law can't do that. Placing faith in Jesus makes us clean, makes us forgiven, transforms, uh, transforms us from death to life. It trains us, transforms us from alien to family, <laughs> from outcast to child. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6, that he's made us adequate as servants Of a new covenant. Principle number two, and we're just about done. Principle number two for you as a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, your service has a lasting effect when it's partnered with the gospel. Remember the pebble in the kiddie pool, right? The ripples that fade, temporary impact. Remember the hammer on the board permanent impact we can serve and do a lot of good in our strength and with our talents and our skill set and it'll make a difference but it's going to fade but somewhere along the way when we partner what we do to the name of Jesus and we partner with the message of the gospel that Jesus saves man that can make a difference in a person's eternity and for a lot of you it did (laughs) Because the whole reason you came to Christ was because somebody loved you enough to serve you first. And they partnered it with the message of the gospel. Jesus' ministry as it came to a close found him before a man named Pilate. Pilate had the authority granted to him by the Roman government to essentially release Jesus. Jesus, wrongly accused, falsely accused, wrongly arrested, beaten, though perfect, though God, found himself moments before he would be led away to be crucified, standing before Pilate. Pilate would have in front of him a basin of water. And where he could pronounce Jesus' innocence and set him free, Pilate chose instead to literally, figuratively, as a picture before the people, to rinse his hands in that basin of water and to wash his hands of the whole thing and to step back and do nothing. The night before, Jesus was there in a room with all 12 of his disciples, one of whom was soon to leave and betray him, Judas. A similar basin of water would be found there, but to this one, Jesus would... Kneel in front, and he would take a towel and he would wring that towel out. Can you hear the water dripping back into that basin? And he would go over to the dirty, dusty feet of those 12 men, including the one who would betray him. And he would wash those feet like a servant. One, a basin signifying, I want no part, and another signifying, I am fully invested. And in much the same way as it comes to this issue of serving for us, specifically as followers of Jesus, we have to choose which basin will be ours as well. (laughs) Are we going to look at a world for which Jesus has already died and say, you know what, I'm just a little too busy and i got a little too much going on and I really don't care that much anyway. I'm just going to step away. Or are we going to say, you know what, Lord, thank you for the sacrifice you made to save even me, one who doesn't deserve it and is only adequate because you've made me that way. Lord, would you use me in this fallen world for which you died to put you on display? And would you give me the boldness when the times are right to also include that life-changing message of the gospel so that people cannot just be changed for a moment by my good deeds? but forever by your good work. Let's pray. Heads bowed and eyes closed. For some of you today, you have a relationship with God, and you love Jesus, but you've not really thought much about using your life to put him on display. You know what, there's no better time than right now. This, this the, the climate of our world is ripe for people who know jesus and who know peace and who know joy and who know love and who know forgiveness to step into the lives of other people many of whom are just really hurting and and just they need truth and they need they need life and their hearts might not be ready to come and listen to me stand in a place like this and And share a message like this, but they'll listen to you. You've already got a relationship with them. You've already got an investment, or maybe you're actually literally in front of them at a random moment that God has orchestrated. You're there instead of me, And, and it's not about you wishing you had other skills or talents, or I wish I could speak a little better, or wish I was just, I had a little more knowledge. It's not about any of that. It's that you're already equipped as a follower of Jesus to serve somebody else. Most of the barrier is not what we have or don't have, it, it's, it's whether or not we're willing to make ourselves available. And maybe for you today, you can kind of drive a stake in the ground and say, Lord, you know what? I'm not there where I want to be yet, but Lord, would you just give me opportunity to serve? And would you, would you give me more of a hunger? And would you, would you take me further in this area? Because I want to be that kind of believer who leaves a mark for your glory. And maybe for others of you, you're here today and it seems so random, right? Maybe you're here every single Sunday. This is just another Sunday when you're supposed to be here. Or maybe you came in and this is the first time or the second time or whatever that you've ever been here, but there's something going on in your heart that's really never happened before and you're at a place where you're thinking, you know what? I think maybe I need to follow Jesus myself. <laughs> you know, I've been thinking about it. It just seems like God's been stirring in my life. And today I've, I've, I've heard, you know, what what the Bible teaches that we're not going to be ever good enough to get into God's presence but what he's looking for is for us to lay down our sin just admit it to him that we've blown it and to invite Jesus who died and rose to come and forgive to forgive even me and to take over my life and right where you sit man right where you sit today in this room or on your living room couch if you're watching on live stream you can make that same decision and if it's the decision from your heart that you lay down your sin and invite Jesus to forgive and take over man he'll do it he'll meet you right where you are he'll do it and so God help us to walk closer with you Lord may the work we do be partnered with the message of the gospel not in a mechanical way and Lord it doesn't mean that every single time we do an act of service that we mechanically you know share a quick gospel presentation but Lord more often than not as we serve you open a door sometimes then sometimes later and so lord help us to remember that acts of service make a difference but the only ones that really last are the ones that are partnered with the message of the gospel that changes forever and so lord give us boldness get us a little more outside of ourselves and our desires and serving ourselves lord to to look across the street and to look beyond where we are to serve the needs of others around us in the name of jesus sometimes here in this church more often outside between the sundays and lord may it not result in any kind of glory to us we're not even adequate in and of ourselves no matter what we do but lord the adequacy is from you so may you alone get the glory for it's in jesus name we pray